Hello, and welcome to the penultimate episode of Even Baddies Wear Helmets Series 1. The end of the series is in sight, but we are not quite done yet. There is still some more fun to come. This week, we are staying up late to talk about boys. I'm joking. Well, sort of. We are talking about teen drama. Now, everybody knows that adolescence isn't easy. You're caught between a rock and a raging hormone. And likewise, I reckon writing for a teen audience can't be easy either. There's a huge difference between a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old, so even pinning down what we mean by teen drama is a challenge in itself. Luckily, our guest this week knows what she's on about when it comes to the teen audience. Holly Phillips has written on some cracking teen shows, including Sugar Rush for Channel 4, Nearly Famous for E4, and The Athena for Sky One, but she's perhaps best known for showrunning Get Even for BBC iPlayer and Netflix. The series is based on the novels by Gretchen McNeil, and it follows four girls from different social cliques at an elite private school as they band together to form DGM. Don't get mad. DGM take it upon themselves to expose the school's bullies, but things get complicated when they're framed for the murder of one of their previous targets. It's a thriller, it's got espionage, it's got hacking, it's got friendships, and lots of teen angst. So if you haven't seen it, I would recommend you check it out. This week, Holly and I talked about first times, fitting in, and getting teen drama right. So if you're ready, settle down, and let's talk teens. Holly. Hey, Billy. Well, we are here to talk about teen drama, so I'm going to go straight in and ask, what sort of teenager were you? Were you quite shy? Were you rebellious? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, probably hmm, shy, becoming rebellious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you covered both. Um, I was, <laughs> I was a pretty awkward teenager, which I think has a lot to do with why I ended up wanting to write about teenagers um I was I lived in the middle of nowhere and there was nothing to do I mean the closest theatre was 30 miles away the closest cinema was 15 miles away so there was nothing nearby and so TV was like really huge to me because I was like a bit weird and a bit unpopular and a bit awkward in myself um so TV became like my life basically and being able to watch TV and um overly connect with characters on TV was a very, very big deal to me. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, maybe that did have something to do with me going from being quite shy and awkward to just like, I don't know, being inspired by people I saw on TV to be a little bit more rebellious. Absolutely. I I think I really relate to that as well. I think I was, you know, kind of awkward and geeky. But then when you see somebody on screen and you think, oh, people can be brave and maybe I could be brave. Maybe I could be like that. That's really lovely. Did you write much as a teenager? I did but it took me a long time to actually start writing scripts um I did a lot of the classic teenage things I wrote a lot of angsty poetry (laughs) um so there was an awful lot of that there were a lot of short stories um I'm really bad at writing prose it's it's funny actually how it can take you some time to find that connection between the thing you love Mm. also being maybe the thing you're good at so I was never one of those kids who like in school got top marks for creative writing I got very very average marks um and then I think the first time I wrote a script all of that changed and so when that connection was made in my head between oh actually I can write dialogue 
and it doesn't matter that my prose is terrible because I know how to write dialogue everything kind of changed that's really fair I think there is something about script writers particularly coming to the form of script writing relatively late I think most like um screenwriters or playwrights or people that I talk to tend to have started out with with things like poetry and prose and sort of felt a little bit awkward within them so that's really um yeah I I kind of get where you're coming from on that front and how did that then become writing professionally oh um well when I was doing when I was doing my degree I am the main creative writing tutor on my degree was a poet and at the time I was writing a lot of poetry and it was very just inspired by song lyrics but because he wasn't listening to the same bands as me he thought I was very original and my poetry was amazing (laughs) but if he'd been listening to any of the bands I'd been listening to he would know that I was just horrifically plagiarizing and it was terrible. Do you know what that reminds me of I had to do I remember doing like creative writing exercise at school when I was a teenager I think and I directly quoted Fallout Boy in (laughs) in the exercise (laughs) and I think similarly I think I got marks for it. I had forgotten about that. Sorry, carry on. Completely I'm glad I reminded I'm just you. Just cringing now. Your life. <laughs> what a great time to be alive! Oh dear. <laughs> um, but so it was around that time when I was doing my degree that also I was obsessively watching. Actually, I think the three things I was really big at that moment with Dawson's Creek was just huge and it was my whole life um and also my so-called life was around that time as well okay um and also kind of like yeah and Buffy obviously was also the other thing I was watching at that time so I've only just I've (laughs) Buffy has been my lockdown series I'd never watched it before because I I think I was a little bit too young for it um yeah just I've made it through the whole seven series and now I'm bereft but um. <laughs> that's the problem with watching it then you finish watching it and then you're really sad yeah, yeah. I still haven't found an answer to that particular problem of what to do <laughs> when you finish watching Buffy it's a really tough one um, just but watch so, it again yes that <laughs> so I went to my creative writing tutor and I was like oh I want to write telly and I mean it just wasn't like it is now where people actually respect television. It was like, why would you want to write television? I do not understand why you would move away from poetry, this amazing poetry, to want to write TV. What's a Dawson? I don't get what you're talking about. Um, so at that point, he pretty much kind of, he wasn't going to chuck me off the course, but he, he took a very big step back in terms of like mentoring or tutoring me. So I was pretty much out on my own little limb, writing scripts, grabbing cameras when I could to make little short films. They were all pretty terrible. Um, And then for my final piece of work for the end of my degree, I wrote a kind of 20 minute, half hour play and he hated it. They all hated it. (laughs) It got a terrible grade. It got a third. And I kind of finished my degree being like, oh no, what am I going to do? I put all of my eggs in this basket. I have no idea how people actually become TV writers. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. What was I thinking? Maybe I should have written poetry. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was a Royal Court writing competition, literally so old fashioned. So an ad in the newspaper for this writing competition. And I sent the same play that had got on the terrible market college I entered that play into this writing competition um, and it was one of the winners. And that, that fully, you know, changed my life kind of thing. When I came to London and, yeah, met people who who didn't think TV was total garbage. So that was good. 
I mean, the absolute vindication of that as well. Like, but the royal court think I'm amazing. It it was pretty good. It was like, (laughs) you might hate me, but the royal court like me. I am fine now. Just like the idea of sending it to him sort of like anonymously in an envelope that was like, look what I did. (laughs) Yeah, it's very tempting. (laughs) Well, so you've written on a number of of shows that kind of come within this realm of, of, of teendom. What is it? I mean, we've touched on it a little bit, but what is it about that age group or, or the genre of teen drama that, that you're particularly drawn to as a writer? I, I There's a lot, um, but okay, I'll be more specific. Um, something about it being the, the amount you change as a teenager, like mm. that you literally go from being a kid playing with toys to by the end of this chapter of your life, like being some version of the adult you're going to be for the rest of your life. I just think it's like that journey is so huge. I don't know if at any other point in your life you go on such a massive journey of change and of becoming. And I'm really interested in in becoming and how we grow into the people we grow into. I also love first times. I think yes, it's kind of why I still love watching teen shows as well. Like falling in love for the first time. It's an amazing thing to experience. It's an amazing thing to watch. Whereas like, I like adult dramas too, but there's just something about watching a jaded adult fall in love for the 57th time that I'm just like, (laughs) oh, whatever. I would much rather like see that story of someone experiencing all of these things for the first time and trying to figure out how to deal with them all for the first time. So yeah, all of, all of those things. Yeah, I mean that the the stakes of first times, I guess, is is just really meaty as a writer. The the knowledge that this character is encountering something they've never encountered before is like, as you say, like if this is the the third time they've done it, it's just sort of there's a there's a pattern that they can fall into. Whereas that uncharted territory is just really really fascinating to watch. Um, and that thing as well of, of of the the diversity within teen audiences that you know you can't I find it interesting calling kind of teen drama a genre in itself because yeah. a 13 year old is so different to a 16 year old it's it's really tricky to to kind of pin down I guess yeah yeah absolutely it's just a such yeah you go on such epic journeys from that age and mm. the amount that you change is so huge so yeah and then again it's it's that's sometimes a strange thing writing for teenagers it's like are you writing for the 13 year old are you writing for the 16 year old I think but yeah I just try and go for the like even if they watch it and like it and that's cool but I'm not writing it for the adults yeah yeah um that's that's the kind of thing that I try and stick to with my own writing it's just like it's not it's not for it's not for the guy who likes Ozark he's fine he's covered he's got plenty (laughs) of tv that human can go and you know be cynical and angsty over there and like I'm writing this for the people who are who are figuring their lives out Amazing. And we'll come back to that a bit later on. But I mean, of all the of all the shows that you've worked on, I'd really love to talk in more detail about Get Even because it's really fascinating to me, both as, as a teen drama, but also as a kind of genre piece as well. Um, so the series is based on the novel by Gretchen McNeil. How did it come about? Like, how were, you, were you approached to showrun or had you read the novel and thought there was kind of something there? How did you get brought onto it? Um, so, yeah, I was a I was approached, um, I'd done a residency with the BBC Children's Drama Department, um, like a little while beforehand, and I essentially spent most of the residency just talking about teen drama. <laughs> like every time <laughs> there was a chance, they were like, now we're going to talk about shows for 10-year-olds. And I'd be like, what about 13-year-olds <laughs> and 14-year-olds? And so like I-, I hear what you're saying, but <laughs> yes. age it up. <laughs> And um, I think that kind of paid off because then when it was um, the BBC and Boat Rocker, the um, production company that they were partnering with, when they optioned this book and they were looking for writers, I think my um, 
my constant, hey, <laughs> I like teenagers kind of, yeah, got into their heads. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then I read the book and, you know, had a few meetings, talked about it a bit more, but I, I knew I wanted it straight away. It was totally one of those things of like, ah, oh. I loved I loved the kind of, that it was four very different teenage girls who mm. end up uniting. I loved that it was kicking back against the system and against bullies within the system. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I think for me as a teenager, I went from being quite shy to quite rebellious. And obviously the four girls in Get Even, that's, that's such a part of what they're doing is they're kind of kicking against things and they're rebelling and... So I really liked that. I really liked that it was four female leads. Um, that felt like a really good thing. I liked that they were diverse female leads. Um, I wanted to make some changes from the book, not loads, but for example, in the book, all four girls are straight. And I thought that was a bit unrealistic, um, mm. just, you know, percentage wise. So, and I also just felt like it was like not as representative. Um, so, but they were incredibly open when I was like, I would really like to change one of these storylines and and, you know, have a beautiful gay love story in here um mm. and they were incredibly <laughs> open to that so it wasn't like I got any kind of pushback they were like no let's do that that's great um so all of those things I think added up to making it incredibly exciting and the age thing too I you know I mentioned earlier about that kind of like not wanting to make it for adults I felt like everyone on the team wanted to make a show that was actually for teenagers mm. not kind of for adults masquerading as a teen show and I liked that mm. And, and I mean, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but in terms of Gretchen's novels, how faithful, I mean, we've kind of, we've talked a little bit in the podcast before about adaptation um, and weighing up that it's, it's not a book anymore, it is a TV series. So how faithful would you say the series is to that novel or novels? It's a series, isn't it? It is. It's two yeah. novels. So yeah, there are some things that, that we changed for various reasons. Um, like in the novels, you don't find out who the murderer is until halfway through the second novel so I think quite early on we were like that would be frustrating yeah. in a tv show <laughs> if that happened we want a satisfying ending to the first series so um that was more just kind of managing material really and like how do we move some storylines forward I think possibly the biggest the characters were really really great so it's just building on characters Gretchen had already created and and adding more to them but with the other writers who came into the writer's room that was a real process of just yeah, adding more of our own teen stories to the teen stories that were already in the novel. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, there was kind of in the novel, there's a relationship between two girls and it's kind of a complicated friendship. And we decided it would be cool if that was a complicated love story instead. Um, mm. So, yeah, it kind of changes like that, really. I think kind of nothing, nothing really major. It was a lot of it was kind of structural. Yeah. And just how do you fit it into this shape? Um, yeah that kind of thing but we had a very very lovely thing which is just a weird coincidence so um, I think one of the characters I really related to in the novel and then whilst writing the tv series was Brie and Gretchen who wrote the novel often kind of talks about how she really relates to Brie and that her husband is John um, <laughs> and when we cast John and again we didn't know this at the time but like I'd sent her a photo of like Brie and John from like the set and she was like he looks like my husband looked as a teenager and spooky. sent this picture back yeah that was really spooky <laughs> that's mad it's really interesting as well to hear the, the way in which certain aspects of the novel like that complicated friendship that you you are able to kind of 
tease things out of that 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 might build on it a little bit more and say okay well what if it's if it's got a romantic element to it that's really exciting to hear um so the show is set in bannerman a fictional elite private school and we kind of see how the different characters navigate that that landscape and you know, private schools generally are contentious for, for some of the reasons that we see play out in the series. I mean, that kind of competitiveness and the privilege and all that kind of stuff. Um, and with that in mind, I'd, I'd love to hear more about how you developed the world of, of Bannerman as, as a precinct for the show. How did you approach elite private school? That's interesting. That's a good question, because actually that's another change from the book, because obviously the book's all set in the US. So mm. um, we're setting it in the UK and it just it felt like an opportunity to lead into some of that stuff a little bit more. Um, and to really explore those kind of these schools that look so beautiful, like they're amazing buildings, they've got amazing facilities. And we knew we wanted to create a world that was escapist in how it looked visually. Mm. Um, but we wanted it to look escapist, but have themes running under the surface of that escapism that actual teenagers can relate to. So, yeah, so I think we knew we knew quite early on that I didn't want to be really on the nose about it, but we, we did want to explore class. We did want to explore the difference between kids who haven't really had to struggle versus kids who had also mm. having some stories with kids who were starting to realize um how it's different for other people and how they navigate realizing that it's tougher for some people and some people have more privilege or opportunity than others um yeah so yeah and we knew yes it was that kind of thing with teen tv it's like part of the genre is that it looks a little bit better than real life and yeah <laughs> i do like that I, I in no way wanted to make a kind of piece of gritty realism um but it was just like, let's find something so it can look really, really beautiful, but always be able to kind of undercut that with the reality of like, it might look pretty, but it's not really. Absolutely. that, that It's really tied to the the themes of the show and these ideas about being superficial or, or that what you see is not always what you get. And I really like that point you made as well about escapism. I think more, more generally, is, is escapism something you would say is, is very important to writing teen drama? Because I guess being a teenager is so hard and horrible as it is so the fact that on screen there is always a chance to to go somewhere else to to explore a different experience but at the same time um approach those themes and those issues that do really kind of permeate your own life if that makes sense oh it makes complete sense and um and yeah definitely I think I think it's really really important I think you just you don't want to get home from having had a really rubbish stressful day and watch something really similar I think you just want to get out of your reality for a bit but um I've always liked the idea that stories should take us out of our reality and then lead us back to it I think that's my approach a lot so it's like escape run away from your reality but there might be something in the themes or something in one of the love stories or one of the friendship stories that that brings you back to something you can relate to and you can connect with and maybe make you feel a bit less lonely I think that's the other thing about being a teenager I think it's pretty lonely so sometimes it's like if you're feeling really lonely because you're going through something, watching someone else go through something similar and get past it and get through it, I think that can be a good thing. And and something that you've mentioned as well is, is I mean, Gretchen McNeil is American and there is a kind of, I don't know where it comes, there's a sort of slight American sensibility to the series in some ways, perhaps in a kind of, a similar way to how like a show like sex education is set in England but has a sort of Americanness to it. And I wondered is I mean that might just be my perception, but is there is there something American about teen drama? I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> I think that's a really good question. I think there is. Um partly just because traditionally they've always made more. Um mm. so like all of those teen shows I mentioned to you 
the ones that I watched when I was a teenager, they're all American teen shows. Um, yeah, so I think that makes a huge difference. I think they perhaps have celebrated being that age a little bit more. A lot of great teen movies are American teen movies as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of the things that you're going to be drawing on, even if you're a British writer, but if you love the teen genre, they are going to be American things because that's that's where they've cared about that audience. I think we've perhaps had a bit it's changing, definitely, but a bit of a tendency in the UK to kind of make stuff for kids and stuff for adults and then have yes. this huge 10-year gap in the middle of just like... Um, <laughs> just so yeah, I, ignore that bit. Like, that yes. doesn't happen. <laughs> I think it's just our approach to adolescence as well. Yeah, let's just not talk about <laughs> just, it. Let's just not talk about that bit. <laughs> <laughs> that like really traditional British parent thing of like, just get back to me when you're grown. <laughs> that is fascinating, that the idea that um, the kind of canon of teen drama is American, and if you're writing it, then those are the, the references that exist and that you can can draw on um and even if like there are big differences between american high schools and british high schools i mean there's something sort of fundamental that you've that you've touched on about being a teenager about going through first times about changing um something that interests me as well while we're kind of on america is um <laughs> i mean bethany antonio who plays Margot. am i right she's doing an american accent um in the series which i didn't i was completely i think i watched an interview with her afterwards and i was like wait what I, I, every time i don't know why i'm always so baffled by actors being able to act i don't know why it's so incredible to me but um I, yeah i'd love to hear more about the decision to make her character american oh that's you know, it's one of those ones, it's hard to remember exactly when it came about. There was definitely a conversation that one of the characters in the show should be American, like at that point, it was obviously based in an American book. So it felt like the right thing to do from that point of view. But also at that point, we already knew that we were going to, you know, selling to Netflix, and we were going to be airing around the world. So it felt important from that point of view as well. And I think maybe it was something to do with Margot's journey, that mm. meant that it made sense for that character to be Margot, because it's like, she's come to this new world and I always really like the idea that she's come to this new world quite optimistic but being quickly had the whole realization of like what these schools are actually like and and so that felt like a really interesting story to tell within the context of someone coming from another country so it was kind of already there in the book that that Margot had had a really hard time and was kind of coming out of that experience of being bullied. But it just felt like, let's tell the story of someone coming over here, like, yay, going to yeah. this new school. It's all going to be awesome. And then, yeah, she, she gets it a bit knocked out of her. Yeah, it's really but, fascinating. There's all those different um, levels to it, both the the kind of Netflix audience element and making it accessible to people internationally. But also it does it does for her as, as somebody who is more of an outsider, I guess, in, in lots of ways to to have that as as another kind of obstacle to her fitting in yeah it's the, the kind of balance constantly between the kind of commercial and the creative isn't it and it's like mm-hmm. if you have to do something for a commercial reason you absolutely want it to feel like it's got good creative reasons as well mm-hmm. and oh, so amazing. yeah and the series as well touches on some really kind of serious issues both like the sharing of intimate photographs relationships between students and teachers how do you approach kind of handling that more more sensitive material? Is there research that goes into that? I kind of, I always hate the word appropriate in things because it feels like a horrid word and, you know, what's appropriate for one person is not appropriate for another person. It's a messy issue. But yeah, just tackling those kind of really important um, themes and issues, how do you kind of broach those? We had, we had a really interesting challenge, I think, with Get Even because 
we always knew rating wise because of where it was going to be on iPlayer that essentially we were going to be a, a 12, not a 15 or an 18. Hmm. So we wanted to talk about things that genuinely impact teenagers much older than that. Um, but in a way that would mean a 12 year old could still watch it and not have to kind of, you know, get parental clearance and stuff. So it's, it's an interesting space to be in um, to try and tell those stories without being able to, you know, <laughs> be quite explicit. But in a way, I kind of like that challenge. I think for me, a lot of it's about being intellectually and emotionally mature. Like, mm. don't talk down to anyone, write everything with an emotional complexity. And then actually people don't need to necessarily see something really explicit because they mm. get it, they understand it. The people watching this stuff, they might be young, but they're smart. So yeah, I guess that's kind of my approach. It's like, you don't have to be explicit to tell those stories. You just just be smart and don't write down to your audience. That's really good advice as well. And it does it does sort of come through in the series that you don't shy away from those things, but at the same time, they're, they're handled in a way that is very sensitive and 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 because the characters that are going through them are young people and, and it's it's sort of seen from from their level which feels really nice um i, I mean I, i'm sort of jumping about all over the place here but I, i'd love to hear more about the kind of the development of your your four core characters i mean they all kind of broadly fit into sort of those archetypes that we that we see in teen drama you know brie who's a rebel margot who's kind of the brainiac olivia who's this beautiful popular girl in kitty who's kind of super sporty and driven um I, I love the way you set up those tropes though and then kind of work to dismantle them um so I just yeah I just I'd love to hear more about how you develop those those four core characters oh, it's, um yeah that's really interesting Char- character work is like to me to me the most important work I just think it's everything actually like don't get me wrong plotting a murder mystery you want all of those moments to kind of hit and land but but for me, it's all about character and the time that you spend talking about character and developing characters is the most important time you spend as a writer. Um, so, yeah, obviously, we, we had the starting point of the books. I then I do I do a lot of really teenage things, actually, when I'm developing characters. So, you know, those kind of quizzes you used to get in like teen magazines of like, what's your favorite color? Yes. What song do you listen to when you're sad? Like, I have got so many versions of them on my laptop. But I will just sit and spend hours being like, what's her greatest fear? What And all of these things will actually never end up on screen as well. Or mm. a sense of someone's greatest fear might. But, you know, the thing that happened to them when they were seven years old at a party and didn't get past the parcel, that won't end up on screen. But knowing it will somehow really inform that mm. person. Um, so I do an awful lot of that on my own. But then I also do an awful lot of that with other members of the team, like story editors, and then do it all over again when you start in the writer's room as well. And I think another thing that's really key with teen drama is like, obviously, I pour so much of my own teen experience into what I'm writing, but I only have my teen experience. And, you know, you're writing the show where it's like uh, characters in there with different sexualities and different yeah, backgrounds and you know, that's not my direct experience. So it's about filling that room then I think with other voices, other teenage stories, so people can bring their stories to it and then mm. hearing them and listening to them. So if they're like, actually, I don't think that character would do that, being really open to that and really open to developing those characters based on on your team and the people in your room and what they're bringing and what they're telling you. I, I, I just loved the idea as well of, of a writer's room of people kind of sharing those teen experiences. It feels like a really nice way of getting people to bond as a team as well as generating material for the show that makes sense oh it does it really is a bit like that you definitely feel like after a while you're like oh my gosh we know so much about each other (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and we know so many embarrassing things about each other because so many teen stories are like here's the cringy time I did this but yeah. <laughs> never leaves the room no. I mean, the show as well has this really um I mean it has a really strong core cast and, and none of whom I believe went to drama school so I'd, I'd love to hear more about the casting process for the show what, what were you looking for in your four main girls oh it's it's really interesting because I think it's really tough um that kind of abstract you know it when you see it kind of thing is mm. must be very hard actually for an actor to be like what are they looking for I don't know we'll feel it <laughs> if you give it to us so sorry actors <laughs> um yeah because actually you're coming at it with a sense of of all the different layers of who this person is so I guess you are kind of looking for someone who brings a lot of that to their performance rather than just kind of playing one one note or one particular energy um yeah and it's um I think sometimes you're surprised you might have an idea of what the character looks like in your head and then someone reads and they don't look like that person at all but something about them just feels right mm -hmm. um I think like it's such a silly little thing but like Mia who plays Brie um was blonde when she did her audition tape and looked I guess classically more than Olivia in her audition mm -hmm. and there's something about that process of kind of watching her and getting past that and going oh no way actually it doesn't really matter what she looks like we can do that in costume yeah, yeah there's something about the energy and the way in which you deliver those lines which is completely right so mm -hmm. yeah but it's always it's a tough process because I mean you've got you've got me you've got the execs you've got the director you've got the casting director you've got Netflix you've got the BBC there, there are a lot of people weighing in with opinions there so it's a tough <laughs> a one a lot of voices and, that's, and I guess as well voices. then you've got that you're not just casting individuals, you're casting an ensemble in many ways. And they have to kind of, in the same way that the characters in the show offset each other with those different personalities, those different kind of broad archetypes, you've got to find that in in your actors as well. It's really, um, yeah, it's really interesting. So, and you try and be really planned. So what we wanted to do was lots of chemistry reads before we cast as well. And we have got to do some with the four girls, we did some chemistry reads. But for example, if we kind of had more time, we probably would have done chemistry reads with some of the others too. Some happened, but the one that didn't was just, again, sheer luck. Um, the guy who plays John was cast right at the last minute and we had no idea if he would have any chemistry with Brie. And he did, and it was amazing. And just the relief when they shot their first scene together <laughs> yeah. was like, oh, thank God. It's not really strange. It's <laughs> yeah. not really weird. Yeah. <laughs> they don't read as brother and sister. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they kind of do in a way, but in a, yeah, that, in a that's way. another issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say, so as well as being a teen drama, the show is very much a thriller. And that kind of feeds into everything from you know, the editing of it to the soundtrack, which is super stylish. Um, can you tell me a bit about how you approach the, the thriller genre within the series? What sort of reference points were you using, that kind of stuff? Oh, that's interesting. Because um, I've not done, I've obviously done more teen drama in my career than I have thrillers and murder mysteries. Um, I did like one Icelandic show that was like a murder mystery, which maybe helped me flex those muscles a little bit. But generally speaking, that was quite new to me. Um, but I've watched quite a lot. <laughs> It's quite, I think, how to get away with murder was quite a big reference in the writer's mm -hmm. room, just because of how successfully it plots its mystery arc, especially in the first series, and the kind of sense of building to really big hooks at the end of episodes. Um, but again, you're kind of looking for people in your writing team as well. And there was, there was one writer in the writing team who was like, so much more into kind of thriller and herkiness and that was really good so when I like got off on a tangent about you know feeling embarrassed about a first kiss he would be kind of like yeah but what's the hook at the end of the episode I'd be like, oh, yeah good point 
I think that's what the show does really nicely actually is balancing that kind of those high stakes thriller moments like those hooks like the murder with those really everyday teen things it always makes me think that that's kind of I'd never really considered that the thriller genre really fits teen experiences in some ways it's everything feels really high stakes in the end of the world but then at the same time you just sort of have to get through the sort of like minute day-to-day issues and struggles it was interesting sometimes when you're storylining I think again you kind of approach it with that like actually to them right now everything's important and it's like that to Olivia what's happening with Amber right now is actually just as if not more important than the fact that she's kind of being accused of murder because actually that's what that. it feels like when you're a teenager. You're like, yeah, absolutely. And I love that way that kind of they'll go from discussing that murder to, okay, now we've just got to have lunch. We've got to go to drama club. We've yeah. got to get on with it. Like, that's just life. You just have to, like, put the murder case aside for two seconds. <laughs> so um, aside from Get Even, you've also worked on a range of other teen shows uh, like, let's start with like Nearly Famous for E4, Dance Academy, The Athena. I mean, like Get Even, all of these kind of take place in elite schools, but particularly um, arts and performance and fashion um, specialist schools. What is it about the world of the arts that you're drawn to exploring as a writer, particularly with regard to teen stories? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess something about pursuing your dreams is always really, really appealing and really interesting, figuring out who you are, which I guess those kind of spaces give you an opportunity to do that. I'm also a bit like, how do I put this? Okay, when I was growing up and starting to think that maybe I wanted to be a writer, obviously I got the kind of feedback most people get when they tell people they want to be a writer, which is this is not a very practical idea. This is not the most sensible thing you could be pursuing. And I guess I quite, it was the right idea for me and it was the most sensible thing I could be pursuing. (laughs) So if I can instill some rebellion in some teenagers and make them kind of chase those dreams a bit, I would really like to do that, especially at the moment when the world is, it's a pretty dark place right now and a pretty dark place to be young. And I think if anything, it's harder now, that kind of pressure to like do something sensible, but who even knows what sensible is anymore? Mm. Like what is a job that's going to last for life? I just think it matters more than ever to kind of do the stuff that feels important to you. Absolutely. The, the, yeah, that, that, that world that really kind of digs into the importance of self-expression, but also, like you say, like with, with the state of the world at the moment, particularly with the pandemic and stuff and the way that's, that's affected the arts, it's really important that we don't lose the young people who might be being told it's not practical. It's not, you know, a feasible career that you really should hang on to those things. If, if it's really what you want to do with your life, that's, um, really galvanizing <laughs> as well as uh, teen drama you've also written on kind of several children's shows as well like four o'clock club may between you sort of mentioned a few of this uh, that 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 um residency with bbc children's what would you say are the key differences between writing for children and, and writing for a teen audience it feels like a sort of obvious question but i'd really like to kind of unpick that a little more oh i think it's a really interesting and complicated question actually i think it might just be in the stories you tell I think it just might be that once you get to obviously different stories relate to being a teenager than relate to you when you're 10 um and so and sometimes in teen drama you've got a bit more freedom to tell those stories which Mm. actually might still be relevant to you if you're 10 but you know you can't necessarily tell those stories for that age group in the same way um but overall I don't know I guess I kind of feel like there's not loads of difference 
Like, like a good story is a good story, yes. regardless of who it's for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I notice more the difference when I very occasionally write adult stuff. And then it's just like, oh, I can swear now. Um, okay. There's like really practical of sort of technical things yes. that uh, you're not allowed to do this. But yeah, I think as well with like teen audiences, I guess there's that that moving into the realm of um, romantic and, and kind of sexual relationships as well as... Yes just friendship even though friendship still is so significant and something as well that kind of came up when I was thinking about um kind of get even another another teen dramas it seems that a lot of it is is kind of geared towards female audiences I mean would you say that's a, a fair assessment and and if so why why is so much teen drama for for girls if that makes sense that's a really good question I think that's I think that's definitely true um it's tough really because I, I'm very interested in that audience and in a young female audience because, you know, I'm a woman. Um, <laughs> but I do think, I think there might be a sense that TV people generally have kind of gone, guys are harder to reach because they're playing on their PlayStation, so let's not try, which I kind of think is a shame. But I don't necessarily yeah. think I'm the writer who knows how to address that problem. But I do think it's a problem. Um, That's really interesting. Yeah, that the, the I suppose the girls are watching more TV. Maybe I don't know how they'd kind of what the ways of proving all this is. But. <laughs> no, I don't either, really. And for those who are looking to break into writing teen drama, what would you say are the kind of most important things they should bear in mind? I guess being trying to be truthful, um, mm. and yeah, truthful about your own experiences I mean I'm not actually saying just write your story because actually there's always an element of fiction and there should be otherwise you wouldn't have enough material for a career but <laughs> bringing elements of who you are to everything you do I think does does enrich the work um, mm. and make it stronger make it more emotional make it more heartfelt so I think that's definitely part of it I guess my other one would be don't write down um, mm. often like looking for writing teams like this was true with Dance Academy and the Athena and Get Even um, you sometimes find that writers who say written adult content when they think that they can write teenagers by just writing down and acting as if teenagers are not that smart. And um, so, yeah, don't write down. Of course, they're smart. Mm. Write exactly the same, but without swearing. That's literally, <laughs> unless you're writing a teen show that's like sex education is an 18, in which case swear away. That's something that I find really interesting, though, is that that those those teen shows that are kind of ostensibly teen shows, but are 18 certificate in some ways so it's kind of in a weird territory I agree I think I think it also ties back to that thing you said earlier about there being about the kind of American feel to certain British teen shows I, I think there's almost been a, I think there's a snobbishness in this country about younger audiences and there's a kind of if it's an 18 and therefore an adult would like it that makes it somehow better and it's like no how about you just try harder <laughs> So teenagers can watch it and don't be a snob. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, but I think there is there's just a slight thing about like how it's somehow better, it's somehow cooler if, you know, if a 35-year-old dude is watching a thing, that somehow makes it better. And I'm like, don't care. Mm. I want a 15-year-old girl to be mm. watching it. Like mm. I said, there's this huge, there's this huge gap. It's like you get to 12 and people just don't care anymore. <laughs> and then it's like 12 years old going... Oh my god! Everything's changing. Everything's turning upside down. I've got all of these feelings I never had before. What shall I watch? Breaking Bad, I guess. 
Oh man, um, yeah. and you know that's kind of fine. But also, there should be stuff out there. It's all about you know that kind of like seeing yourself on screen. It just mm. feels like there should be more stuff mm. out there that reflects you, where you can see yourself on screen, where you can be like, yeah, I'm going through all this, and and there's some version of me to kind of talk back to mm. me about this. And how much should writers? This is a bit of a broad question, I guess, and it's maybe a bit. Of, maybe we've covered it already. But how much should writers worry about being relevant in a way? I mean, there's kind of nothing more cringy when you know when you talk about adult writers <laughs> writing down but when there's that sort of teen speak or, or references to like tiktok just to kind of sound down with the kids it's like oh no um you know as as a writer do you do you think about kind of staying up to date when it comes to lingo and stuff like that lingo i mean not even that i'm 23 <laughs> who am i what's happened <laughs> i i think mostly it can be a thing that really dates it. So I kind of avoid okay, it. So I think maybe my most recent example of this would be that maybe when we were having the first meetings about Get Even, that was around the time that everyone was talking about things being really extra. Okay. And it's like, imagine if I put that in the script, how cringy would it be now to watch people being like, that's so yeah. extra. You'd be like, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> that's so three years ago. God, shut up. That's really interesting that it's kind of a conscious so, decision I that you, you sort of anticipate stuff getting dated in a way. Yeah, I think so. And I just think there's so many of those phrases that, yeah, you love for about a minute and then you hate them and you regret ever saying them. But I just, yeah, <laughs> I generally try and avoid them. Um, I think I'd rather be up to date in terms of in terms of mm. theme than trying to be up to date in terms of like lingo. Um, I think what concerns teenagers I'm really interested in, I probably spend too much time on things like Tumblr just to <laughs> see what people are talking about. I think that's it. that interests mm. me. I'm really, really engaged in the kind of thematic stuff that teenagers are caring about and worried about um, much more than kind of, yeah, a kind of use of language. And would you say those themes um, and those worries have, I mean, since, since you sort of started writing teen drama to now, has that really changed or is there a lot of sort of that's the same stuff's going to come up again and again? I think mostly the same stuff comes up again and again I think it might be a bit writ large at the moment mm. I think you know anxiety has always been a big part of being a teenager I, I I kind of feel like it is larger right now and again maybe that's a reflection of the state of the world but I think it feels more present and maybe worse mm. um I think there yeah I think there are a few things like that but I feel like right now I think it's a really tough time to be a teenager mm. A really brutal time actually to be a teenager and all the more important i suppose then to to have the shows that really do speak to you directly um absolutely mm -hmm. yeah um i mean well so sort of by way of wrapping up is is there anything that you're really kind of excited to either work on next or to see next or where you really want teen drama to to go if you if you could kind of <laughs> control the, the future of tv what are your hopes Oh, I've, I guess which I've already touched on I'd like I'd really like to see more I'd like to see more UK based teen drama um so that UK teenagers can see more of themselves on screen um be nice to get more more diversity in there again for the same reasons um I just think it's yeah there's you're going through so much you're changing so much um and the more stories out there that you can relate to I think the better and yeah Right now, the amount of teen shows that are UK-based, you can probably count on one hand. It would be really cool if there were more. I think there's going to be, actually. I think BBC Three are talking about making more, so that's mm. really cool. One 
final question then. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Dawson's Creek and things like that, but what was your favorite t-shirt, t- I can't even talk now, TV show as a kid or teenager or, or even your favorite TV show for, for young audiences now? Oh, it's really tough. I could give you a top 10 <laughs> or 20. The first one that's coming to mind. Okay, can I do favorite character instead? Because it's really hard to do favorite Absolutely. TV show. And this might just be right now. This could change. But I've become quite obsessed recently with Pacey from Dawson's Creek. And okay, here's my reasoning <laughs> for this. Um, that when I watched it when I was younger, and he's so idealized, like he's just so ridiculously perfect. Like he's articulate. He's like the best boyfriend in the world. He's the best friend in the world. He's really funny. He's, he's a bazillion things that actually, as a teenage girl, your first boyfriend is not going to be any of those <laughs> things. It's really not. But I remember being a teenager and watching it, watching him and being kind of obsessed by him and being kind of disappointed with all of the teenage boys that I went out with. Then recently, because they've just put all of Dawson's Creek up on Netflix, and it's a very interesting rewatch, actually, like, because some of the stuff you do feel differently about. I mean, seriously, Dawson, stop it. (laughs) I know I thought that then, but I feel it even more now. But I'm there and I'm watching it again and I'm watching Pacey again and thinking about all of this stuff and and realizing how much actually my husband is like Pacey and (laughs) going, oh, that really stayed with me. And then I was thinking about actually how good it is when you have a character in a TV show who is a bit better than real life, but it, it makes you be a bit picky and a bit demanding and maybe it helps you not go out with the rubbish guy for too long because even though the nice guy's fictional you have some faith that someone better is out there and I think that's a really good thing that tv can do that's a really fantastic point yeah watching and and you know having that model and as well it feels like a very kind of team thing as well that that going back to the thing we sort of mentioned at the very start that you know there's you you see something you think okay so that is possible like if someone can conceive of that then then that model of relationship (laughs) then it must it must be out there somewhere and and yeah as you say like to use those stories to really shape who you are as a person and who, you know, what you expect of relationships yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's why teen drama is so important. Um, well, what a lovely, lovely point to end yeah. on. But <laughs> thank you so much. I'm glad, seeing as I kind of didn't answer your question. I answered a different one. <laughs> but we came in through the back door. We got there. We got there. It was good. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Holly. It's been really, really lovely to hear about your experiences, about your shows. I'm, yeah, I'm really chuffed. Thank you. You have been listening to Even Baddies Wear Helmets. The podcast was hosted by me, Billy Collins, produced by Cloda Chapman with music from Finley Stafford and our lovely logo was designed by Lucy Tiller. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can find us on social media at Even Baddies Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe, share, tell your mates. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon.